Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Uh, but this will be a fun one. All the Nolcast are fun ones, but uh, look forward to catching up with you. As always, we will thank our friends Tarpon Cellars and Louisiana Hot Sauce. Three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. If you are a YouTube watcher or consumer of the platform, uh, we've just got the logo going up as I've been on the road and... Uh, computer and hotel wi-fi it's just easier to do this without the uh without the video this morning so we've got the talking no nolcast logo uh for that end of our consumers and otherwise bud we'll jump into your regularly scheduled podcast yes sir man excited to do this thing uh a couple things have been going on recently i was doing some nfl draft work last night for uh for 24 7 sports we got the transfer portal in full effect as I know you know, um, start with the big news. Uh, Duke Cooper has hit the transfer portal. FSU uh, really liked him at corner as a freshman, down season after some injuries as a sophomore, and he got moved to safety this past year. To me, not really a surprising move. Uh, I'm sure he's a guy who wants to play corner. Nobody really wants to move from corner to safety, and you know, if he can go somewhere else and uh, and play and, and and be a starter because he wasn't going to win the starting job here, it didn't look like, um, you know, certainly hope the best for him. Um, I, I that's that's been the biggest news, right? We, we, uh, yes, we, we, that's not familiar of anything else. Uh, well, there's a couple no. other backups as well that, that that have jumped in and, and you know whatnot, but. Um, Duke, uh, so there's always like your backups are always going to be valued more from maybe a marketing perspective than your starters from other people that would then deem them as starters. And that's true in the NIL world, but it's also just true, um, as you said, to the availability of playing time. And, you know, sometimes in the transfer portal, it's about uh, marketing opportunities, but a lot of times it's, hey, you get to go to this place and you get to start and you'll be playing this position. And, you know, that's certainly. There are some schools out there uh, that Duke could check all those boxes and, uh, you know, play that of that of what he, you know, at times uh, it would seem as though he was really excited about. So that's the opportunity that is out there for a kid. That's great. Wish him the best of luck. Looks like there's going to be a decent uh, contingency of Florida State guys out there, and we'll just see how many of them end up collecting out at Utah. Also had the McClendon and – or Utah, excuse me. Uh, Colorado had the McClendon and – and Gantt declaration that they're going to be headed out to Boulder. Something to keep an eye on for Florida State people. For sure. I, I mean, look, uh, I think there may be an IAWP issue that that's individuals associated with recruited persons thing, which is like former coach relationship. Can you go after the player type deal there with, uh, with, with Duke Cooper? Not entirely sure how that would work out if he did want to go to Colorado. He may get better offers than Colorado, right? Which, which is also something to monitor there. I think it speaks to the quality depth that, that this team has built, though, that you are having other Power 5 programs want your backups. I, I, I don't think McClendon was going to start over Pat Payton, honestly. Um, Cooper was not on track to start. Gant was a second-slash-third stringer. And, yeah, both those guys can help Colorado, but this is not really a Colorado podcast. Honestly, like I think FSU's second string would whip Colorado. At least the one I saw in in, in Colorado spring game. So they I mean all, all the second stringers they can get out there certainly can help them go from one and eleven to uh, to whatever. But uh, you know, Farmer obviously has been in the news a lot. Good player, a backup for you, but somebody that you know if he keeps progressing might turn in to a really good player and a guy who jumped in the transfer portal, looked around clearly realized the, the grass wasn't greener and then came back. And we talked about this on cover three. We also talked about this on Nolcast, And we said, this is a first time for everybody. You, you have, and not in a, not, I don't want to say this in a paternalistic way, but you have not kids, but really young adults, 18, 19, 20 year old guys who have never gone through a negotiation, have never gone through sort of an open market type situation first time we really had this two transfer portal window thing combined with the clarification from the NCAA of just how, you know, NIL and whatnot is legal and coaches were going to have tough decisions to make as to whether they let these guys go in the, 
who go in the portal come back. And you also have to realize like people have stuff going on potentially like in their own personal lives. Some guys may have stuff going on family lives. Some guys may have really bad agents or advisors. Okay. There's no real standardized test that you have to take to be an NIL advisor. You can be anybody. You could be a, a shady trainer who also like his side hustle is being an advisor. And Sometimes those guys give players bad info, okay? Because they 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 want a, a piece for themselves, and so they're like, yeah, I, I can get you, you know, like this is a great opportunity here, and and not all just nil, but like playing time and whatnot, and, and certain things, and you know, man, like some lineups are tougher to crack than you think, and some opportunities sound great, but then you look at them like, oh, that's that's not real, okay? That's 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 a funny, funny opportunity. So ultimately, Derek McClendon did not come back on FSU's roster. I I think there's there's something to read into that. And I, I think obviously Josh Farmer, you know, being let back in to FSU. My guess is he has some locker room damage to repair, right? Like I, I can't can't imagine everybody in the locker room is going to be super happy to have him back, given the you know what what he pulled. But Mike Norvell and that staff and probably the leadership council evaluated and said, hey, these situations are different. He can come back. I, you know, it's close to home. I, I'd, I'd hate to see a guy, you know, make a silly decision and then, you know, be punished for it, you know, for, for the rest of his college career. Yeah. Yeah, it was certainly an experience that I'm uh, I'm familiar with, and part of the reason why I'm recording from Tallahassee right now. But Josh is a uh, is a unique player and a local kid. The first ever, uh, I believe, the first ever commitment to Mike Norvell as head coach, and a guy that is kind of uh, the reflection of, uh, you know, not everything that this program is right about, but certainly the reflection of what they've done. They believe that they're great coaches and developers, and there's a great example to to point to as a local product that came in as a 250 pound lineman and has turned into, you know, one of the better younger uh, lineman uh, players along line of scrimmage in the league and very promising prospect in his own right. So, um, you know, Josh, <clears throat> Josh uh, appears to really have a significant coach or, or relationship with his position coach. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, things ultimately could be worked out there and, uh, it's a position that you're going to have an awful lot of rotation on, uh, man. And with the way that Florida State uh, matches up with a lot of its opponents this year, a lot of snaps for everybody. Uh, so the defensive tackle position will be fun for us to watch uh, as fans. And the amount of talent that's at that position group is what lets you as a Florida State fan, you know, live the most optimistic of dreams. And you'll be really excited about this potentially being a like a college football playoff level type team at the most optimistic of dreams. And that I think the most realistic of optimistic dreams is that you're a, a quote unquote final four team. And if you are, it's because you've got, uh, you know, a defensive lineman uh, and an interior of the defensive line that's as, as loaded as this one is. So. 100%. I mean, I look, there, there's not a lot of schools out there right now. And, and I'm not trying to just, you know, pump for FSU or battles in there's not a lot of schools out there that are a better situation to be in right now than the Knowles, man. They're like they're what, what's their win total going to be nine and a half, 10 from Vegas. Like that's, that's pretty rarefied air for, for a preseason win total expectation from the guys in the desert who do this for a living. You know, you, culture seems pretty good. Most of the guys seem to like Mike's culture. And it's not a fall in line thing. I think they generally like, like most of these dudes do care about each other. And there is a personal element to this that you have to take care of, certainly. And and, and you got to look out for yourself because most of these dudes will never see the NFL. And and they, you know, they can get some, you know, get some additional benefits, maybe some playing time. I totally understand it and, and do not begrudge them of that. But I think it does speak to, to what you said with the defensive line depth. I mean, Fabian Lovett he's a pretty damn good football player when he's healthy. I think if he had been healthier last year, he may not be on this roster right now. He may have not, no, he wouldn't be a first rounder, but like I think he'd be a guy who would probably be picked over the weekend if he had stayed healthy and, and, and put up the season that he was expecting to put up. You got him back. 
you know, Braden Fisk, is, is he a first round type guy? I, I think very unlikely, but he's somebody who, and I know we'll do a little draft segment later, like maybe could get drafted and certainly a very good college player, which is where FSU plays. They don't play in the NFC East. Dennis Briggs, like if he, if he can bounce back from his injury now, didn't see a ton of, of flashes in spring, but we'll see like, as he continues to progress, continues to get more comfortable, maybe like that's a really useful piece, right? Daryl Jackson are waiting on the waiver. Daniel Lyons has a bunch of potential. Farmer has a bunch of potential. You know, Malcolm Bray has contributed in spots. Tafasi is, you know, is a guy that obviously flashed some even in the spring game. This is a, a very deep unit. And to your point, I mean, FSU is going to be double-digit favorites in more than half of its games, I'm currently projecting. When we do our snap count draft, I don't think any of us is going to take a defensive tackle to have like more than 400 snaps this year. Or at least I'm not. I'll, I'll give that away to the audience right now because of all the subbing they're going to do. Odell likes to rotate his guys. He, he's not one of these dudes that's playing their starters the whole time, right? So there's a lot of snaps to go around. Fun conversation to have, and we want to thank uh, Chad and Shannon, the legendary team, uh, those that started as a legendary team and then uh, kind of moved around and have come back to be uh, their own shop over there. Fantastic people. Uh, and you've worked with them twice. I believe 500 of our listeners have now worked with them. It's legitimately one of the better partnerships in the American sport, uh, you know, subgenre of podcasting, uh, we've been ever so fortunate to work with these guys. Exceptional people, but I'm going to let you give the phone number so I don't accidentally send somebody to a uh, 1-900 number again. But uh, <laughs> brilliant dudes. Big thanks to Shannon. Big thanks to Chad. Uh, passionate about the Knowles, as always, and the group text has been uh, has been lively the last couple of days. But uh, great, great people, and we thank them uh, ever so ever so severe, uh, significantly. So, uh, yeah. And, and actually had a, a listener, uh, we, we can't bang this phone number enough. Cause I had a listener reach out yesterday and it's like, Hey, what's the phone number? It's like, man, you guys. And so I, I thought he was screwing me, but he, he said, uh, his friend, uh, need, needs a home loan and, uh, he's not an FSU guy. It's like, well, we'll, we'll still accommodate you. So eight, four, four FSU loan, eight, four, four FSU loan. And, uh, Chad and Shannon should be expecting a call from, uh, from Joseph's friend. Uh, pretty soon here. So pretty, pretty excited about that. Um, all right. So transfer portal stuff. This closes in three days. I know you'll be taking your lady to a, uh, somewhere maybe without a cell phone in, in, in three days, I would imagine. Now, a couple things people need to know. The portal closing means you cannot jump in. It does not mean that you cannot still make a decision, Right. And I think there is some sort of like late window for grad transfers over the summer. This is important to remember because to this point, Florida State is not throwing out offers publicly to kids in the transfer portal. Don't you think there's some intentionality to this because they don't want kids on the current roster to transfer out? I, th I think there's certainly, you know, some level of intention that everybody goes about doing their work, um, you know, maybe this is appropriate for me to disclose. Maybe I haven't really heard of anybody that is out there that they, that there's a strong interest in either. You know, I, I think there's just a need to evaluate the landscape. I think it's partially, Hey, it doesn't make sense to, you know, <laughs> doesn't make sense to bring kids in and, and, uh, and tip your hand maybe as to what you're doing or, or risk some other issues with the roster. I, I agree with that, but I do think that, somewhat of a lackluster field so far, just to speak very candidly, uh, you know, and, and that will change, uh, I'm sure. So. Well, I, I just, so there's the, the talent differential between what you see in the, the, the winter window and what you see in the spring window. And to me, the winter window is so much more loaded, but you also have sort of a value proposition here. Like if you go get a kid in spring, he doesn't get to go through spring with you. Right. He already went through spring somewhere else. And at certain positions and with certain levels of experience or inexperience, the, the the amount that matters, it differs. So I'm not saying that spring players are not useful or not helpful or or can't you can't win with them. But I do think there is a sort of premium to what FSU did in going out and getting their guys in the winter window because they got to go through 
off-season conditioning with the staff. They got to go through spring ball with the staff. I mean, this was a you know very intense in terms of like scheme spring. They're really trying to put in a lot of stuff and make make sure that they can run it and understand it. I'll, I'll contrast this here with some other programs that are having to build their roster. I mean, if you're you know, Colorado is the obvious one we'll all talk about. They're going to bring in like 50 new players or 40 new players in July and August. And I, I had a coach the other day who was like, they kind of just wasted a spring. They, they treated it more like the NFL where it's just like a they kind of figure out who can play and who can't, but they didn't get to actually work together much as a team because they're, they turn around and cut like two-thirds of the guys that were actually on the roster. <laughs> this is all co- so crazy, by the way, that in, in spring. So I definitely get that. I, I mean, There are certain spots where I, I think they could still use some help, obviously a, a safety uh, just for depth purposes, since you lost Cooper, who was, a, a I think, a nice depth safety for you. Uh, you know, like that, that would be a spot you could look at. I, I think I may be on, on the island here still, but receivers one, you know, they could, they could take a look at receiver certainly, uh, which is, is interesting to, to kind of, you know, peek at. Um, I would not want to be in the position of having to go, go get an offensive tackle in the portal in the spring window. Not, not a lot of high level guys out there uh, right now. I mean, like the San Diego state kid, I saw Florida just offered. Okay. Um, Colorado had a guard jump in the portal. He got offers from like Washington and UCLA immediately. So kind of thinking that's probably not one of the ones that, that they were cool losing, even though they said basically they, they were cool with everybody going except for the, the receiver. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, I do think FSU has room to add a couple more guys and it wouldn't shock me if some more like career backup type guys decide to enter the portal, uh, for the Knowles. And honestly, like you can enter the portal stay on academic scholarship and just not be on the roster if they needed to kind of clear room. But I, I don't know, man, like I, this roster, I think it speaks to the job that they did building this thing up in, in the winter season that they don't have a whole lot of, of holes that you just say, okay, like you have to go fill this. This is a, this is a problem. Right. And there's some spots where they're just loaded. It's, yeah. it's impressive to look at. I, I, I kind of, I was like, man, people are freaking out about this farmer thing, but not most people. Like most fans who are going to go to the games don't know about it, right? And then some fans are like, okay, they lose a backup defensive tackle, no problem. Probably aren't even aware he came back yet if they if they even saw the first headline. And maybe like one or two percent of your top, like super super fans, and we love y'all because I mean, you're, you're the ones who watch us live at you know seven a.m. on a Friday morning. Uh. Maybe one or two, you know, percent of, of of the fans in the stands even even followed the saga. Like like that is that is the lunatic French, and we love the lunatic French, obviously. Um, but think about it, man. That speaks to like just how damn good your depth is. That a guy like that may be looking for playing time elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, think about well, that. Well, also speaks to the size of the fan base because I can assure you that the lunatic French is not. An insignificant size, and when you get one to two percent of any fan base that uh, gets fully invested, as uh, as some people do in these things, and that's awesome. It's why we've been able to have a, a podcast for fourteen years or whatever, and it's why Florida State, uh, despite not being a you know an old line uh, quote unquote institution, is able to have the backing that it does to field uh, rather rather consistently top end athletic programs. So. Uh, but no, it's awesome, man, and it's crazy. And I can assure you that I've heard from from one or two of the one or two percent in the past uh, seventy two hours. So, so I, I've gotten. Oh, but just speaking here is two friends, dog. Oh my god, if this there's been some emails that have been. <laughs> oh, I, I did. Did you get some helpful incredible. advice? I've gotten a lot of helpful advice. I've no also problem. gotten a lot of like. Dog, just get it done. Like, okay, there's a there's a little more going on than what than what maybe we're all immediately aware of. But yeah, uh, yeah also, so. I mean, like, like you know, obviously, it, private companies you can't share this kind of stuff with me. But like, there's also the potential, like, bro, already got it done, and uh, you know, like, take it or leave it, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, there's like it, obviously in in business, a lot of times it there's it's not always a renegotiation going on. People people assume that, and I I think that's 
I think that's false to assume that. Like some sometimes, you know, best and final means best and final. Um, Got some very passionate fans, and uh, that's obvious to see. And um, so the uh, the athletic department. This is not what we had on our show sheet, but the athletic department's really been tapping into some of these uh, fan metrics and stuff recently. Haven't you loved seeing uh, some of the graphics and stuff they've created that Florida State's like the third most popular. Oh, yeah. And the entirety of the Southeast region behind Georgia and Alabama and some other things. We've uh, been been thumping our chests a little bit as to the the strength of the brand and the strength of said fan base. I also love the um, I'm not going to defend UF here, but like I'm I'm, going to defend UF against bad numbers. They're like no fan base has declined. This is not FSU putting out the graphic, but I've seen these on social media and it's like. No fan base has declined more in the last two, last two years than Florida. I was like, you don't say like back to back losing record type things. Like, 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 what? How are you, how are we measuring yeah. this? You know, it, it's uh, yeah. multiple different rebrands on the NIL front. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been oh, a tough man. stretch for for those dudes, definitely. And but yeah, I think I saw Florida. Was it Florida and Auburn that had two of the more concerning trend lines as far as? Uh, yes. fan support and something like that. I mean, Auburn will always be fine. Those people are wildly passionate. And when Jordan Hare's cooking, it's as crazy as the places there is in college football. And as much as I love chuckling at our Florida friends, you know, uh, alumni size and, and affluence will only let you slide so far for so long. So I'm sure you don't think Florida's it. fan base has shrunk 40% in the last two years. I, I don't know that. I think that might be some funny math. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would, uh, that would make sense to me. Um, all right, so let me see here. We talked that. Uh, oh, did you did you watch the draft last night? I watched a little bit of the draft. Uh, I went out, had a bite to eat with a, a mutual friend of ours, but unfortunately, the draft was like on a TV that was directly behind me, so I had to like absolutely turn around and look at any pick and uh, just kind of kind of enjoyed it play by play. I mean, I wanted to get your opinion. Uh, the Jameer Gibbs pick just absolutely blew my mind. I don't know. Uh, I haven't, we haven't had a chance to talk about that, but that was the one that really, really stood out to me. If any running back's going to be taken, you know, that highly, it was interesting to see what Atlanta did with one of the better college running backs in the last three or four years with the cadet of Texas. But I don't know if it's just because I'm so familiar with Gibbs as a high school prospect coming out of Dalton and I saw him go to Georgia and great player, super talented physically, but the idea that that guy went, what, 12th overall was one of the more surprising takeaways yeah. last night for me anyway. So. Um, do you know who has spent the most draft capital on running backs in the last 20 years? I, I know nothing about the NFL, so I won't even feign this part it's of it. It's the I'll Detroit Lions. Yeah. Yep. So the team that the team that used to take a wide receiver in the top six pick every year's moved. They also over running back at this point. They also yeah lo- love to to take running backs far too high. Like they're taking Jameer Gibbs to replace DeAndre Swift, who they took with a premium pick, like 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 the the second pick in the second round a year or two ago. Like he's already mm-hmm. they, they've already determined he's not not any good, so they'll try to trade him. And uh, Ingram, second trivia question for you here on the NFL. Do you know who has the longest drought, the longest streak here active without a playoff win? Is that the Detroit Lions? By it, it's weird. It is. Wow. It is all, like, I don't know how this correlates or something, but they have not won a playoff game since 1992. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 1992. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. I, I mean, Gibbs is an electric, electric player, but like, the best teams don't do this, right? Like, the Chiefs took one at 32nd, not 12th or whatever, wherever he went, right? That was uh that was crazy. And the Chiefs were also also like really loaded at the time. And I mean, Edwards Alaire busted. I'm sure if you asked them, they, they would rather just take another offensive tackle, like, like a position that's gonna cost you a lot of money in free agency. So to shift, I wanted to talk about this real quick to shift the conversation because this is so important for FSU and They've used the transfer portal so effectively. Uh, I'm looking down the list at like which first rounders were transfers, right? So, and, and there is a point to this because I have some positional stuff. I think we can talk about when it comes to recruiting versus transfers and, and how it how it impacts FSU. So, 
Bryce Young, no. C.J. Stroud, no. This is just if they transfer or not. Will Anderson, no. Richardson, no. Witherspoon, no. Paris Johnson, no. Tyree Wilson, actually, yes. He was an A&M signee, and then he uh, he transferred to Texas Tech. Bijan, no. Jalen Carter, no. Darnell Wright, no. Skronsky, no. Gibbs actually did transfer. He mm -hmm. uh, he transferred for his senior year from Georgia Tech up to Alabama. Van Ness, no. Broderick Jones, no. McDonald, no. Forbes, no. Gonzalez, yes. He actually transferred for the final year from Colorado to Oregon. Uh, Jack Campbell, no. Cansey, no. Smith, Jigwin, no. Johnson, no. Zay Flowers, no. Although a certain team in Florida definitely tried last year. <laughs> Certain, certain team out there. We'll, we'll have to check in with that stock at some point. Let me, uh, yeah, let me get my proper magnifying glass out so I can see exactly what. Oh, we have our stock up, stock down, stock up, yeah. stock down segment. Um, we'll 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 play that in a minute. <laughs> All right, Jordan Addison uh, transferred to USC pretty publicly uh, last cycle. Deontay Banks, no. Kincaid, we're gonna count this. He transferred after one year at FCS San Diego to Utah, but he, he only played football for like seven games in high school, but I guess, mm. yes, that is a transfer and, and an interesting case, right? Like he, it turns out if you put on 50 pounds, but you, you maintain your speed, you may be a, like a much better player than what you were before you put on 50 pounds. Uh, Mozzie Smith. No Anton Harrison. No, Miles Murphy, no, Brzee, no, Nolan Smith, no, and Felix uh, DK Uzoma, uh, no. So not quite as heavy of a transfer draft as it was last year. Last year we had more transfers and kind of more like premium pick transfers. I'm curious, do you think that's because more teams are locking down their prospects via NIL or do you think this is just random sampling <clears throat> a little bit of both um I, I do think that teams getting a better idea as to how to go about doing this and uh certainly retention has its role in the idea and importance of retention is, is kind of maturing as this market matures and people have more information to uh to kind of gather their data points by but um I also think that the further that we get away from COVID the more you know, normal numbers that we'll be able to look at yeah. and, and work with as well. And that that's probably skewed that uh, to an extent. A drop on uh, on my part and not mentioning that I did watch the draft last night at Madison Social. Bud, you'd be proud of me. Oh, there I you go. had two meetings. I had a lunch meeting at Madison Social and then met a friend at Madison Social for uh, a beer and uh, eight of the best wings that Tallahassee has to offer. So a uh, big thank you to Matt Thompson and his team for the longtime support. Charlie Park. It's Tallahassee's best rooftop bar and the uh, entity that we specifically partner with this year. But uh, Matt and his team are fantastic across the board. And uh, as always, big thanks to them. No doubt about it. Um, they are pretty awesome. And I, I like, honestly, I, I think like the, if you rank like, like, you know, your favorite beers, one of the best beers is like post camp beer when you've been out in the sun for 12 hours and like you got the laptop, you got some work left to do, but you just, you know, you're able to, Able to throw a couple back there at Mad, so they have some decent Wi-Fi. It's that, that that's definitely a refreshing one. Um. So last night, one, two, three, four, four or five offensive tackles. Five. One, two, three, four. Oh, did they put Skaronski as a non? Uh, no, they got him. Yeah, so last night, five offensive tackles were drafted. None were transfers. So this is sort of something we've been talking about for a while. There are certain positions that you can find out of the portal more readily. I'm not going to sit here and tell you you can never find a tackle out of the portal. That, that's just not accurate. What I'm saying is it's increasingly rare to get a good one. And out there on the market now – I mean, you got guys that are getting big time offers, and I pull up I'm like, oh, pressure rate allowed three percent. Like, what the hell? Like this guy, this guy is getting major interest. And as a, a friend of mine who I know he works in college personnel, and he's like, dude, any big body that has played significant snaps and isn't terrible is going to be really valuable on the transfer market. Because teams have to accumulate this kind of like, like they have to accumulate depth. Big guys get hurt and it's just, 
there's not a lot of college ready body. So even if you're not any good, as long as you're just not like objectively horrendous, horrendous, you're going to have some value. This is a spot where I think teams are, are, you know, doing a nice job holding on to some of their guys uh, and why it's important to recruit high school really well at the tackle position. Um, that's probably like the number one spot I would identify as the studs get identified early for the most part. The few outliers are guys that you almost certainly would not have been able to pick out because they put on 70 or 80 pounds. Like we'll see Blake Freeland, the guy who played quarterback in high school and, and became a, a really nice tackle for BYU, probably go round two, round three um, tonight you know, on, on Friday. Um, I also kind of want to talk about like – I want to put a pin in something real quickly just so that yeah, we don't yeah. lose it. And we're uh... – my, my battery's dying. I'm on ho- hotel Wi-Fi. I've got uh, plenty of time, bud. That's not me okay. using code language. I've got a wrap. But I want to I want to specifically say this so that we remember to do it on the next episode. Let's have the conversation that um, obviously it's super thrilled that Josh Farmer's decided to play the rest of his ball at Florida State. But the conversation about like, hey, do you have to recruit a guy that's obviously going to start by year three? or how you balance high school recruiting with the portal and when kids are going to leave. Cause I think that's a really interesting one. And one that we can have as to a uh, big believer in your idea of that. you got to balance elite traits with guys that are either going to hit and be big targets. And um, I just think there's a really interesting conversation that we can have about that and how uh, the portal has evolved and and how it's changed high school recruiting or maybe it hasn't changed as much as as some people think it has so i mean i i think it's it's a fantastic well so how much what do you have 20 minutes of battery probably somewhere in that area yeah all right so we can have like one of two conversations we can either do that one now or we can do the who do you think gets drafted off this fsu team next year game which honestly like we could do uh we could save that for next episode, and we can have the the other conversation now if you want. I, I say let's do the draft conversation today because that's a little more uh, relevant, and the other conversation yeah. is not going anywhere. Perfect. No, that's that's a good point. All right, so um, let's just run this thing down, and we'll just kind of alternate, pick a player, and uh, let's play. I don't know. How do you want to play this? All right, let's say let's have two categories. Definitely and maybe. All right. Okay. And what we'll do is so um bud. All right. So just go we'll go down the list, we'll play and so we'll grade this actually. I'm I'm gonna set a reminder to actually come back and grade this. If you say definitely right? And the guy gets picked, you get a point. If you say maybe and he gets picked, you get no points. If you say definitely he does not get picked, you lose a point. That sound fair? Got it. All right. Love good good Bud Elliott game put together on the fly. Absolutely. All right. This is an on-the-fly game, and I, I, I think this is a, a pretty fun one. So draft eligible guys. Uh, I'm going to start with Jordan Travis. I'm going to go definitely. Definitely. It's a strong and bold prediction. Uh, Trey Benson, definitely. I'm going definitely as well. Yeah, I, I, I exactly. All right. Um, other draft eligible guys, Toe Philly. I'm going to have to go with them. I'm going to hit him with the M, the, the maybe. Maybe. Okay. Uh, you Jared Verse, definitely. You gonna drop? You, yes. you gonna drop the definitely on him? Uh, uh, oh, on um, Tofilly. I'll take a I'll take a risk at a point there. Yeah, I okay. think Tofilly will get drafted only because I think uh, he is he is the player in which the game is evolving into. You know, he he is. There, I'm not comparing him to Jameer Gibbs, but if somebody's going to take that type of player with a 12th pick in the overall draft, then I think Lawrence Tofilly has a draftable grade in his future so perfect okay i like that um all right uh who else do we like yeah verse let's just go ahead and get that one knocked yeah, out of the ver- way verse for sure fabian um, love it yes yeah I'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna go with, with, with the d there as well 
He definitely. All right. Uh, Johnny Wilson. Two Ds. Uh, let me see here. Who else? I'm scrolling down this thing. Is that it for our – obviously, like, Toe Philly we threw in there, which he should have come later. Is that it for our definitely's, or, or do we think – Think I'm going to embrace risk this weekend. Uh, Look at that. We may have a difference of opinion. I'm going to say Kalen Deloach will be a draftable draftable prospect uh, as well. I, again, I think that guy just fits with with where the game's headed uh, and unique skill set, relatively speaking. So I could see that. I'm going to put the maybe on him, but like I, I given the you know the the mobility and the smaller frame. Uh, Maybe he has a really big year in coverage and and and, and get go ahead and becomes a draft pick. I like that. Uh, Fintrell Cypress definitely. He, yeah, I mean he's he's that. he's big, squats more weight than they feel comfortable with him doing. Jumps. I mean he's just he's a good player, decent tape uh, out there already, and it's the type of guy that goes to Indianapolis and leaves with an extra you know half round tagged onto his grade just because of what he can do in, in cone drills and things like that. So I like that. Um, all right. So I'm going to go, who do we have here? He's actually like draft eligible for this year. Oh, Jaheim Bell. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say definitely because of, of, of the pass catching ability. I will say definitely as well, and I will say that if you're looking for someone that can help you with payroll or HR or anything else, then you definitely need to look at our friends at Congruity. Matt Lewis, uh, fantastic guy. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed working with Matt Lewis. It's been a fantastic addition for us, and now working with double-digit Seminole-owned uh, and affiliated businesses. Uh, just a great dude. I think put two more people in touch with Matt over the last two weeks or so. Um, and we don't have many sponsors on this podcast, relatively speaking, or let's just say we don't have a lot of sponsor turnover. Uh, it tends to work and, uh, congruity is another great example of that. And so big thank you to Matt congruity, HR.com is the website. As always, you're welcome to reach out to me if you'd like a third party introduction. No doubt about it. Um, so, uh, Bernardo Green. Um, maybe, and that's only because of, uh, you know, how tall Renardo is and some other things that factor into the, the draft grade so much. Renardo Green has continued to improve and turned into a level of player and uh, uh, brought a level of consistency to his game that I wouldn't have predicted, you know, a year, a year and a half ago. It's really turned into a very, very solid uh, college cornerback uh, and works his tail off to do so. Uh, I just... Sundays are a little different when it comes to the the physical dynamics or at least the physical dimensions sometimes. For sure. Um, I'm going to go with a maybe on Kyle Morlock. Um, obviously, like we may not be able to evaluate this one for, for two years, but I I think there's some potential there. And and I just like, he, I, th- I think he does have, have some ceiling there. Uh, obviously not, not there right yet as far as like an NFL guy right this minute. Right there, I do think of maybe of all the guys that we have that we were like three or four games into this and we revisited, we could see a D getting put up next to this guy's name pretty quickly, only because he's not like he's not one of these like super, you know, uh, transcendent athletes that play this position. That sometimes you say, I'm not trying to make stupid comparisons here that really aren't fair to a kid, but he's got all the physical traits in the world in his growth trajectory, just as far as how he's adjusted to come in from a place like shorter, really impressive. And I don't, I mean, we talked about this during spring. Morlock's not the guy to catch one and maybe take it 71 yards, but I could see where we're three or four games into the season and we're like, yeah, Kyle Morlock had, you know, six receptions for 77 yards in a game or something like that. I, I think that could happen fairly early for that kid. And it could become pretty clear that he has a Sunday, Sunday prospectus next to his name. Uh, we'll see. Agreed there. All right. Uh, let me see. We'll skip him. Um, 
probably skip Pittman till we, till we see what he comes out back after the injury, right? Like that, that's I mean nobody's going to say definitely on that at this point. Um, all right, here, here's an interesting one. Kentron. Kentron. I'm going to go maybe. Maybe, but certainly trending positively. I mean, yeah. Kentron is, uh, has emerged and uh, has the frame to to turn this into a definitely in time. Uh, yeah, he's he's Kentron's uh, been really impressive with what he's done and how he's continued to carve out space for himself in that room. Robert Scott, I'm going with maybe given the injury history here. Yeah, maybe a guy that if he puts together a uh, year and helps to ease some of the injury concerns again, can can absolutely turn into a, a draftable prospect. Here's what I'm going to throw at you. I'm going to take it definitely on Bless Harris. Mm, yeah, I agree. I agree. Not trying to not trying to make crazy hype for a kid, but everything that I saw in spring was very impressive. Uh, let me see here. Jeremiah Byers? Mm, maybe. I mean, I just like to see. He's got two years. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got a good amount of time. Love to see how it translates from UTEP. Uh, but a, a guy that... You know, there's a reason you had to had to convince him to come here over some of the more larger brands in the sport right now. Uh, bright future for Jeremiah, for sure. Um, all right, uh, Patrick Payton, I'm going with the definitely. Yeah. Well, he's not he's not eligible for next year's draft anyway, right? So, um, yeah, he he's not. Um, Bethune, be third year Pat Payton? I thought it would be. Am wait, I wrong? Didn't he just win the rookie of the year? I thought. Uh, or wait, so the next, the following? No, the, this will be his second year. Excuse me, yeah. I, I misunderstood what you were saying. Okay. Um. Let's see. He's off the roster. I wouldn't put him on there anyway. What about? Uh, hell, let's say Farmer. I'm gonna go with a maybe on him. Maybe a very draftable prospect and a guy that if he has the type of year that uh, I think he might, I could certainly see him going. I mean, the ideal thing would be for him and Daryl to both have fantastic years and see the two Gadsden County products be able to, you know, parlay that into professional football immediately. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to put a maybe on Daryl Jackson as well. It's really just all up to him. I mean, he's got to get the waiver and then, and then he's got to, you know, put the work in consistently and, and, and be a consistent performer, but certainly has the talent to, to get picked up. Um, yeah. When, when it's, uh, when, when everything's there as draftable a prospect as there is on this roster, yeah. I mean, uh, both of these guys very much have NFL futures. If it, if it's there for sure. Uh, Dent, I'll go with a maybe. I just, I sometimes you see these guys who are highly rated prospects bust out in their final year, so can't dismiss it at this point. He's not had he's not had a draftable career to this point, but you, you can't rule it out, I guess. All right, I'm not sure we missed anybody else. Um, I can't see Murray Smith or Washington getting picked at this point. Roddick, if he like has a huge summer and, and definitely takes a starting job, potentially could, but I, I'm 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 not sold there that, that it's enough to throw maybe on. Anybody you think we're missing that, that that could go for this draft if they're eligible? Not immediately off the top of my head. No, I'm sure there'll I'm sure there'll be somebody. Uh all right. So I, I mean look, this is a cool exercise and we will grade it, but I think that the bigger point of this is Kid from you know, Illinois. That's the only dude that I'd put a maybe on. Oh, Span. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> yep. point. Yeah, that's just because of the speed. Yep. And the fact that he, he, like I said in the last podcast, you just catch that dude out of the corner of your eye, you look immediately back because that's what an NFL football, that's what an NFL wide receiver looks like. I mean, that's, uh, that's it. No uh, doubt. I mean, dude, so for draft eligible guys, 
we have listed 19 dudes that we thought at least a maybe. And that's not even considering a guy like Bethune, who I don't think either of us believe is going to get drafted, but is a good college player. So maybe I'd, I'd put a maybe on him because okay. I think he's I think he's playing at a uh, has the potential uh, to play without injury that maybe he hadn't in quite a while. So uh, I look okay. forward to seeing what what a healthy Tatum Bethune looks like, and another guy that you know got dinged up in that Louisville game last year and then was never really quite the same again. So uh, crazy, also, crazy what a meat grinder that game uh, ended up being there. Have uh, you tracked how bad these these early mock drafts are? Oh, I know it's a long-standing <laughs> conversation oh. here, and uh, we always enjoy it. And we are uh, so we're having fun. I'll, I'll tease our Cover Three episode for Monday. We are bringing on CBS's draft expert Ryan Wilson, and he's going to have his 2024 mock draft, and we're just going to tear it apart. It's going to be <laughs> it's, it's going to be so much fun. And and he's like, I'm down for it because like for me, it's feedback, right? Like hearing from the college guys, like. What are you doing? Like we've seen this guy in person before. There's no chance that like this guy's getting drafted because just body type's not not going to be there. Um, like this is really pretty impressive uh, that that what they've done to flip this roster for a, a team that had what, assuming Jamie goes, and, and unless I'm missing something, he will go today or tomorrow. That's pretty damn impressive. Uh, now. I do want to want to talk about this. When, when you'd mentioned like, hey, the ceiling for this team is probably playoff. Does it like if you get into the playoff, you're going to need to be playing really well, which obviously if you get in the playoff, you almost certainly are. Need, need things to go right. You're running good. I will point this out there. Well, yeah, uh, and I'll also just say get there because obviously you have to have pieces that are good enough for a fan base to re- realistically and legitimately talk about being a playoff team. But you also have the ingredients that are necessary to just have a special uh, opportunity. Yeah. Maybe you catch a great matchup, but you know you've got guys like that, like Johnny. Maybe Johnny just catches a matchup in a game where you you are able to pair him up on a couple of kids. You've got a running back that's special, obviously your quarterback, and then you the defensive line uh, you put together. If if they get a favorable matchup, that's a defensive line that can help you win a game at the absolute highest level. So you certainly you know you've got some punches to throw get to the playoffs and, and uh, see whether or not you land them. I mean, that would be incredible, incredible for a program where it was two or three years ago. So totally. All right. Georgia, uh, that 21 team that, that just won it so far, eight first round picks off it. We'll see how many second rounders that they have. The uh, 2020 Alabama team, eight first round picks, a good number of second round picks as well in that starting lineup. Uh, 19, which was LSU, six first, five seconds in their starting lineup. And 18, which was, uh, that was Bama again, I think, right? Yeah, because LSU stopped their run. Seven firsts and five seconds. Uh, and then the Clemson team that won had slightly less which is not really that surprising. I think they had five firsts and four seconds, but they also had, I mean, one of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game of of football at the college level. So I I do think there is a delineation of talent in terms of, and this is great to be able to say now, it's not like, hey, you don't have enough NFL guys. I think the, if we're drawing differences and kind of drawing bright lines, it's do you have enough, like top end NFL guys, you know, top hundred picks, top top two round picks, you know, first round picks, guys that are just totally like freaks, game wreckers. And to your point, like, look look what Jordan did last year against Florida. That was bad defense, but like he still made some tremendous plays. Johnny Wilson has had big time games before. Verse has had games where he just wrecks the opponent. I, I don't think it's totally insane, you know that that you could pull something special. I, I don't think that this team is a TCU talent team. And I was all over TCU last year. I bet them heavily. Like it, it was a great year for me with TCU. And I was extremely happy that they played the way, the way they did. I don't want people to think that I think, or that you think that if FSU makes the playoff, they're going to get TCU'd to, to use a, a turn of phrase and, and and lose by eight touchdowns. I don't think that's, that's true. I think you're a much better team 
than what that TCU team was. Or than that Cincinnati team that, that made it and Bama just kind of steamrolled yeah. With with much more dynamic pieces too. Yeah. I mean that Cincinnati had a couple guys that went elite draft picks, but on the whole, much much different level of roster uh, than those two teams. There's probably a lot of guys, and it's like Cincinnati had better top end talent than FSU did at the top two players, right? Mm-hmm. I would say players three through twenty two are drastically better for the Knolls, mm-hmm. right? Great. Um, but like so, yeah. Like we are not saying that if you made it, you would get stomped. I don't think that's true at all. In fact, I think you would have a chance to win. At the same time, there is a reason why, like you're encouraged to see the high school recruiting rankings continue to go up because of what we read off in terms of the transfers who do you know go first round, second round, and and those who who don't, and the level of just it's a crazy level that you got to get to 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 like to win it. Right, you got to recruit like blue chip ratio, and then you got to develop the hell out of them and hope you stay healthy. And and it's it's tough, man. But like, I, I'm super excited about where this program is right now. Like, this is this is really really good. And everybody forecasting a huge drop off in 24. I I don't see that either, man. No. You know, like I, their player development is good. Like player I, development's good. A drop off, sure. It's so strong of a line to sell in the portal as far as the ability to bring kids in, turn them into draftable prospects immediately. Uh, I don't see any kind of – you're going to have some of your most special pieces. You know, Jordan's going to be tough to replace. Some of these guys are uh, – it'll be very interesting to see how you handle that. But as far as the level of the roster, I mean, the the collective tide continues to rise as to the talent level of this roster in a pretty aggressive manner. So that's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. I got to stop saying that about it today. I, I was better about it last episode. Today I kind of went back to it. It's a, it's a verbal crutch. <laughs> a little self, a little self eval here uh, at the drop, end. Drop me bro. to a second round podcaster now. Uh, absolutely. Well, I appreciate uh, uh, I appreciate the listeners bearing with me here. Uh, not not having all the pieces uh, on the road here for uh, video, but anyway, it's been a great time. A lot of fun. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and. Look forward to uh, one here in the offseason about evaluating high school prospects and managing kind of kids in their development years. And uh, that'll be that'll be fun. So, as always, thank you all the sponsors. Thank you to you, the listener. If you get a chance to like this on YouTube or uh, subscribe, whether it be YouTube, Apple Pod, whatever it is, know that it's greatly appreciated. This has been the Nolcast, and we will have something for you in the next week or so. Thoroughly enjoyed it, man. Talk to you soon, bud. See you, bye.